What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, beautiful people. Uh, this week, Bridie and I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Nisha Fair, who is an author, a researcher, a trauma-informed sex educator, and the founder of Soma Body Trauma-Informed Pleasure Work. We spent uh, a good chunk of time speaking to Nisha about the fawn response, and this is all because she wrote a book called Fawn, When No Looks Like Yes. How your nervous system is making you ignore red flags, question your own boundaries, and play nice in bed. This was a um, this was a mind blowing conversation, straight up. Like honestly, I feel like this conversation might have changed my life. And if you'd like to hear how that has happened, uh, be sure to listen through to the aftercare segment where Bridie and I kind of break down what we talked about here. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did because uh, honestly, this might have been one of my favorite conversations we've had in a long time. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Uh, Very excited to be sitting down with uh, Nisha Fair. Uh, Nisha is uh, a whole bunch of things. You're an author, you're a researcher, you're a trauma-informed sex educator. Love those folks. And uh, also the founder of Soma Body Trauma-Informed Pleasure Work. 
I feel like we've got lots to dive into. Um, but uh, one thing, one thing that I'm really, I'm really curious about, um, and Bridie was kind of giving me a little bit of a, a primer before we came into this conversation. Um, I know that you uh, have done extensive work at uh, sort of diving into and unpacking what I what I was told is referred to as the fawn response, and mm-hmm. this is something I actually I'm not that familiar with, but but. From what I gather, it's it's the it's the F word that is left out oftentimes when we hear uh, the 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 old like uh, uh, fight or flight response. But fawn is also should be kind of included in that fight, flight or fawn. Um, but what is fawn? What what is fawn mm-hmm. sounds so fawn sounds so so I don't even it know. Sounds what it sounds pleasant. It sounds so, so and sweet. sweet like a baby yes. deer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm really glad you brought up the fight flight, all the F words. Um, so what a lot of people don't realize is that fight flight, it was identified in the twenties and thirties by, uh, Bradford Cannon, Walter Bradford Cannon, who was observing the way men coming back from war were behaving. So fight flight was identified in terms of how we understand our bodies and stress by watching the way men respond to stress and danger. Mm-hmm. And this guided our, and it's, it's, it was just because that's what was done in the past. This is sort of the, the story of research and medical investigation has been largely focused on white male bodies. Yeah. And so it took, it was only in 2000 that the tend and befriend response was identified by a female-led team. And it was identified as the stress response that women, people with vulvas, people with female physiology rely on primarily. So to start with, we have a really interesting story developing where stress shows up differently in different bodies. And what I like to try to get home for people is that fawn and sprees to a certain extent is a uniquely hierarchical stress response. It's something that's triggered by hierarchical stress by a situation or a person who has more social influence or physical power than we do. So it's a submission response largely. And it's not just biological. It's also, there's this whole biopsychosocial component to it. And this is where I really dive deep and zoom in and zoom out in the book. the it is a biological response we see it across other mammalian species um but it's also socially conditioned so and i really believe that just to sort of detour for a moment i really believe that our stress responses have been responsible for creating the definitions that we now rely on in terms of like what femininity means and what masculinity means. Mm. So this tendon befriend response is largely female and it's socially conditioned, but it also can be reinforced if we're raised in say um, homes where we have emotionally unavailable parents or family dynamics that are turbulent or unstable. So. I'm going to pause there and just let you respond because I feel like I just said a lot. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and yeah, and this is great. So, so a, th- a few things that I heard there um, that, that I haven't, I, again, because this is, this is pretty new for me that this, this notion of mm. like the fawn uh, response, but 
Um, one thing that you said, you've said a couple of times, and, and I sort of want to just like maybe get some clarification behind uh, this, the, the, the notion of tend and befriend. Mm-hmm. Is, so, is, so is like, is tend and befriend synonymous with fawn? Thank you for asking that question. It's good for me to clarify. So tend and befriend was the response that was identified in 2000 by this female-led team. Fawn, the term fawn was coined only in 2013 um, by a practitioner researcher who works with people with complex PTSD. Mm. So it is synonymous in a sense. The thing about our stress responses is that they occur on a spectrum. They aren't a fixed destination. So tend and befriend, we can get a lot of really nourishing, supportive um, benefits from. So mm-hmm. sitting down with a friend and having like a wonderful conversation and feeling like, oh, wow, I just feel so seen. And it was nice to be heard, right? Um, that is tend and befriend, these nurturing, connecting um, sharing emotional intimacy, getting lots of eye contact and healthy touch. This is how we um, support ourselves. Again, primarily women, but everyone, every human being can use tend and befriend, can rely on tend and befriend. Um, And fawn is what happens when tend and befriend goes into overdrive, when either there is um, no opportunity for someone to return to stasis or safety, or when they've been conditioned by their experiences and by society to rely on it as a way of being. So basically, someone's living in their stress responses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. So uh, another, and I, this is just something I want to point out to the listeners. You, um, the, you had mentioned uh, the book, and the book in question here is is fawn mm-hmm. uh, when no looks like yes. Uh, and, and the, the tagline is how your nervous system is making you ignore red flags, question your own boundaries and play nice in bed. Um, I, I take it that the, the book really kind of dives pretty deep into, into what fawning looks like and, and how that response can be, um, can be a sign that there's something awry or something is not, not okay. Um, can, can you give like, can you give like a tangible example of, mm-hmm. you know, like a hypothetical example of how one might, um, might fall into that, that fawn response? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just, I'll leave it to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are a lot of different faces and permutations of fawn, which is, why it can be tricky to identify. So my kind of favorite go-to explanation or, or example is the get out of my apartment hand job. So <laughs> it's something where you're maybe hooking up or like, you know, the get out of my apartment, eating your partner out, whatever. It's something that we do in order to get the thing over with as quickly as possible, because something about the situation is communicating to us that we're not safe mm. or that if we object it will create backlash or that our no just isn't going to be heard, right? That whatever it is about the person or the circumstances, our authenticity is not going to be respected. And this is something that we are interpreting from the behavior of the person or from the culture 
of the circumstance. So, you know, say in religious circumstances, religious communities, we might be more likely to fawn because there are these mm, enforced sort of rules and codes of conduct that will cause us to be maybe outcast or, or uh, ridiculed if we don't follow mm -hmm. suit. So um, another example that I see a lot is folks who want to open up their relationship uh, or try a swinging lifestyle. And where one partner's like super into it, the other partner goes along with it to save the relationship hmm. or to um, try to maintain connection with the partner. And is it's tricky, right? Because on the one hand, This ask of, you know, let's open things up might feel out of integrity for the individual, say the other partner. All they're trying to do is maintain what their understanding of safety and security is. So right. it's really, it's really tricky because it's, it would be really easy to be like, oh, you're out of integrity. Oh, you're being emotionally manipulative by saying yes to something you don't want to do. But the fact is like these all these interpretations are happening on the body level. They're completely subconscious. The behaviors, like the people pleasing, the going along mm. with acts we don't want to do, the letting someone else's turn-ons be our turn-ons just to keep the peace, not rock the boat. Mm. All these kinds of behaviors are proof that fawn is taking place on the body level. So I want to make that clear because there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation around people pleasing and fawning right now that really it kind of puts the blame on the person who's experiencing it and mm. it's not their fault. Their body's doing it because either they, they're biologically predisposed to it or because they've been conditioned to do so by their mm -hmm. upbringing or their social circumstances. So is that a little bit clearer? Yeah, yeah, of, totally, yeah? totally. Okay. And, and, it, and it's making yeah. me think, it's making me think a lot about like, um, you know, we hear so much like, conversations surrounding things like and especially today i feel like it's like very it's it's sort of like a a buzzword but um uh the word is like boundaries boundary setting and setting mm. boundaries and and this sounds like something that um someone who typically in life has had a hard time with the notion of boundaries or like how to set healthy boundaries might kind of slip into this this fawn response um the other thing that it's it's making me kind of curious about, and, and I don't know if this is something that that you could touch on or not, but um, mm. it's it's making me like I can't help but think about how it sort of puts consent in this very very kind of like tricky place, you know, like like how do you? Uh, I don't even know how to how to ask the question that that I will that, uh, answer it for you because I know what you're yeah asking. like 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 yeah please because it's, consent it's, seems very tricky here yeah it is and so this is what I talk about in the book that there's this really sensitive line that we have to tread between responsibility and victimhood mm. right and understanding how fawn shows up in our intimate relationships literally throws everything out the window that we think we know about conventional mainstream consent education totally. it all goes out the window yeah so it's 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 really like my 
the first half of the book kind of goes through every single possible problem and issue and um, concern. The second half of the book is really focused on um, solutions. And I really do believe that compassion and sexual integrity is the way forward in terms of how we ensure that A, I'm not triggering my partner to fawn and B, that I'm not triggering in response to my partner. Yes. Right. So it's just about being really clear about who we are as sexual beings, how we're showing up and making choices that are in integrity, both whether it's like a choice of a partner, a choice of, you know, a lifestyle, a sexual act that we want to do, really having the courage to honor ourselves. Mm. I do want to bring up something you said about boundaries. And this is because it's true. Um, Folks who struggle with boundaries often struggle with fawning as well. Mm-hmm. Here's the messed up thing about fawn. The messed up and, and brilliant thing about fawn. It's a hypoarousal stress response. So hypoarousal means that our nervous systems are activated in a submissive manner. So we're activated to submit. In these submissive stress responses, like freeze and fawn and flop or or full-on dissociation our awareness of ourselves is inhibited our awareness of our surroundings is inhibited and our boundaries are dissolved and this is happening again on the body level as a result of the um uh stimulation of the of our dorsal vagal system that nerve that runs through all of our our lovely organs and Mm -hmm. also the blood flow moving out of our language center. That's another piece we have to talk about moving out of our language center and um, the parts of our brain that control decision-making. Okay. Okay. So uh, (laughs) another thing that just came up there, this is so fascinating. (laughs) No, you're blowing my mind right now. I love this. Um, uh, So, so what would, in what you just said there, and I've, I've never actually like, I've never thought about this um, oddly enough, but you know, the, the, this notion of hyper arousal is something that's come up a lot mm-hmm. through, you know, over the last like six years of, of, of podcasting, whether it be podcasting about illness or, um, or about, um, you know, in, intimate relationships. And so, so hi, like, I, I know hyper arousal, I'm guessing hyper arousal is the fight or flight, right? That is the, the state in which you are uh, your, your called to action. Yes. Like, like yes. act now and get mm-hmm. out or fight to like survive. And then, and then the inverse of that hypo, um, uh, uh, arousal, arousal. Thank you. Uh, hypo <laughs> arousal is the, is the freeze is the fawn is mm-hmm. the flop. Like you said yeah. in this, in I'm just, mm. I had this highlighted too. It says fawn falls into the category of hypoarousal. In states of hypoarousal, the nervous system is still activated by stress, but in a manner that has a quieting, uh, quietening, sedating effect with low body tone and awareness. Ah, okay, okay. Cool. Wow, this is I, all so cool. I'm, I, I'm, I'm loving this. <laughs> hypoarousal, when I read that, at that's why I highlighted it, because... Um, I don't know if this is a fawn response. I feel like I've definitely been doing it since childhood and it was definitely a protective thing, which is, um, you know, if someone suggests something, uh, that I don't want to do, like, for example, my partner just asked me if I want to go, uh, to take a pig butchering workshop, um, in a couple of weeks, (laughs) 
um, I know that if I say no, what I'm going to get is a life skills lecture. Um, and I say this with lots of love because I actually, I read the, I read the itinerary and I was like, this does seem like a good life skill. But I, but how I responded was, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah. Right. Right. Listen, can I just put this out here? Yeah. If you actually for real don't go do that, can you just tell Todd I would gladly join him in that? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that'd be yeah, really, yeah, totally. really interesting. I can try. But actually that that's just one example that comes to mind. But another one is yeah. is this quieting state of if I'm quiet and I'm still and I'm calm, then you can't get to me. You cannot mm. get to my core. I am yeah. protected yes. and still. Oh, yes. It, is there, I, I just, I love, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just hold on to that. Cause I just wanted to um, mention what Bridie was saying about protecting the core. And that really is what fawning does because it protects that core vulnerable, authentic self that we're being told is not getting acceptance. That isn't going to be seen or received with love mm. and appreciation. So sorry, Jeremy. No, no, it's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm curious to know about, um, is, is there a, is there a potential issue with like conflating fawn response with, uh, like, like the example you just laid out there, Bridie, um, uh, that to me, I hear that and I go, oh yeah, that would make sense. Like that, that sounds like a fawn response because you don't like rock the boat in the relationship or whatever. Um, but Uh I know that like, Outside of like intimate relationships, like we're, you know, let's, let's use um, professional relationships, for example. Um, you know, if my colleagues want, like have a decision that they want to take the business, uh, this, this direction they want to take the business in. And I think that's a fucking dumb idea. And I don't think we should do that. But also I don't want to have to deal with the conversation that goes along with, you know, protesting to that. So I'm just going to go, okay, fine. I'll go along with it. Th- that. Um, is the, is there a difference between that and fawning or are, or are they are they the same thing because again the reason I want to bring that up is is just to clarify that you know we're talking about fawn as like a as a response to a a a challenging event right or like a a, a sort of a response again hypo arousal a, a response that your body is whether it's again conditioning or biological, like this is just the way that you react to a certain situation. But um, that sort of situation that I just used that that example would would that fall under this, or is that more so just like a you know a, a social it just submitting in, in the same yeah. in the sense of going I don't want to fucking deal with it. <laughs> um, I think it comes down to what's an integrity if it's going to take more of your resources to argue and maybe not get the outcome that you're looking for anyway and you can spend your time and energy on things that are going to serve you better then you know then that is a choice that's an integrity the thing again Mm. about our stress responses and how we um you know enact behavior is really that question, is this an integrity or am I making myself smaller just to make it more comfortable for everybody else? Yeah. Right. right. So the thing about our stress responses, again, is that they're useful. You like get that little power of adrenaline when you're running across the street, you know, with oncoming traffic, we need that. If we were just like lollygagging, (laughs) yeah, right, right. we'd all be, we'd all be getting run over. So, um, the issue is not that, 
we might submit occasionally because I mean, let's face it too, like we're, we're 8 billion people on the planet. We have to navigate and there are, there's social order to maintain, mm. right? But this is where we can kind of talk about a bigger conversation about hierarchies and patriarchy generally. There's social order and everybody getting along. And then at what point does that become um, neglect of racism and sexism and ableism mm. and homophobia, mm -hmm. right? So there's, it's, and I say this in the book because this is really, this is the first book to ever be written specifically on this book in the context of emotion of intimate relationships. But I do extrapolate into things called social fawning, which is where, um, you know, so for the example of women who have not addressed their own embodied misogyny and become mouthpieces for patriarchal commentary like you were asking for it you shouldn't have been wearing that dress you know and so it's mm. or women who are just hateful towards other women because it serves them in their social unit mm. right so maybe they have a really authoritative or very patriarchal or conservative family and so it allows them to maintain a certain level of safety in their social group mm. right so it's it's complex is sort of the answer to that. And um, I think that the question we always just have to keep asking ourselves is, is this serving me? Mm -hmm. Right? Or am I am I hurting myself in my relationship? Yeah. Turn me on podcast will be back after this short break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Um, I have, I'm just like scrolling through. I'm like, what's the most relevant thing to what, where we're at in the conversation right now? Um, so I'm just going to read this. It says, uh, I'll read it to Jeremy. You already know these words. Um, fawning is often the most effective form of escape when we can't fight off or evade the person or situation. It's a way of being with the threat without having to be ourselves with the threat. 
So it's a common way of surviving unhealthy or abusive relationships because it allows you to hide your authentic needs, desires, or interests in order to protect the vulnerability of your core self. Right. Okay. It's a grin and bear it approach. Yes. Okay. So thank uh-huh. you for reading that. That 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 leads me to this next point that I, I kind of want to unpack for a little bit. Um, I It totally makes sense to me that someone who finds themselves in a, let's say, an, an abusive relationship, that mm-hmm. uh, this response would be something that they would do to, you know, protect themselves. Um, and it's obviously would just like just kind of compounds and leads to um, problematic behaviors within the relationship and and sort of snowballs and gets worse and worse as time goes on. Um, mm-hmm. But let's let's say abusive relationships aside, let, let's let's say that someone has uh, has a history of being in, abu- in abusive relationships mm-hmm. and now they've 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 found themselves in a relationship that actually is is you know that the partner that they're with is is very much um, very much has their best intentions you know at heart and is showing up in the best ways that they know how to and um, for it it, it 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 there's there's a there's a there's an availability there to have a really flourishing beautiful lovely relationship but this person who who had a history of abusive relationships is is finding themselves uh slipping into that fawn response even within this this you know quote unquote healthy relationship i can imagine that like any kind of issue that we face, you know, whether it be someone dealing with with complex PTSD or or uh, depression or you know generalized anxiety, that in a romantic relationship, when that is a when when those uh, types of of mental um, challenges arise within the relationship itself, that it, it takes a lot of work for both partners to like work through that, right? So, so this person who, who is slipping into this fond response, yet they are in a really safe and loving relationship, what, what are, and, and I want to kind of break down both sides, what, what are some of the things that that person who is struggling with fond response can do? Um, but also, what about the partner who's, who's on the other side of it? And, and, and what are the things that they can do slash, what are the things that they can look out for to even recognize that this fawn response is happening because I, I'm, I can imagine it would be, it would be kind of tough to, to, to observe that or, or tough to kind of like put your finger on what exactly what's happening here. So are there sort of red flags for either side to, to kind of see and, and take note of so that they can, you know, together work towards getting to a place where things are a little bit more cohesive and a little bit more, um, just, you know, fruitful for the entire relationship. Totally. Um, so I first want to say that for folks who have histories of fawning, it can be really difficult to see red flags. And because they may not have a lot of experience with green flags, mm. they may not be able to recognize those either. Mm. So A lot of my clients, after we've been working together, do meet um, men who want to be part of the process of supporting them to have really like beautiful, opening, authentic experiences of their sexuality and and evolve together 
sexually as a couple. And in those cases, it really, it's about education. Um, and, you know, if, if the fawning partner has this history, it's something they have to talk about and be like, so there's this thing I might do when we're having sex. If you, you know, um, take me from behind. Um, sometimes I might start performing and going into this stress response and you might not be able to tell that I'm doing it because that's the, that's the really troubling that's the, piece. That's the consent it. part. That's, that's the weird yeah. consent part, right? It's like, Oh, well, they're, they seem to be enjoying this or they, they have given yeah. me the, you know, they've given me the green light. Mm-hmm. So um, it has to come from the fawning partner. They have right. to be the one to, um, really guide the process because the reason we've fawned in the past is because we didn't have agency or because we were told we weren't good enough or um, that we didn't deserve to have our own opinions and our own life really for some of us right yeah. so it really has to be the person who's fawning that takes responsibility and says okay well this is something I don't want to have in my relationship and the other partner their job is to witness mm. and to provide support and listen because the worst thing that a supporting partner can do is be like hey so i kind of think you were fawning back that time and the partner was actually stepping into their authentic self yeah right right, Ouch. right. because like right yeah so the thing is that as as someone, and I've come through this journey, um, who's trying to step into my authentic sexual self or just my authentic self generally after a long time of, of fawning, those first little, you know, tender, uncertain steps out of the cast, which I call, I refer to in the book as this process of breaking the cast, are really, really sensitive. And Again, they require witnessing, not judgment, because my first little steps, they may feel authentic or they may not be authentic, but I'll only know by taking those steps and finding out, mm-hmm. right? So it's really this like process of discovery and we have to be in the not knowing with it on both sides. Um, and as a fawning or partnering me, as a supporting partner, I really want to um, underscore the fact that there has to be balance in the relationship. So it's really, it's not uncommon for folks where there are either psycho-emotional issues, histories, or um, backgrounds of developmental trauma for one partner to feel like they're always the one doing the work and they don't get to be supported, right? So it's, this is where both people have to be responsible, stepping into the responsibility for their own pleasure, really. And, you know, that's something I really try to encourage people to embrace the fact that being responsible for your own pleasure isn't just about knowing what gets you off. It's about knowing what impedes your pleasure and knowing how you can empower yourself better, whether it's in better in life. Mm. I uh, just want to emphasize that point that you made about how to being a partner and calling someone out if you think they're not being authentic when when you mm-hmm. know they're trying to break that cast. Um, because I've certainly had those experiences, you know, with long-term partners, both in our relationship, Jeremy, and and in previous and current um, current partnership with Pot, with Todd as well. 
where especially once you get to know someone for a while and you, you've been doing things and you might not have the conversation like, okay, this time might feel a little different. And it's, it's, it's not because I'm performing. It's because I am trying something that I really want to try. And when you get met with, what are you being so weird? What'd you do that weird thing for? (laughs) It's like so, so crushing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it doesn't feel authentic to them because it's not how you have shown up so consistently for years Uh and years. Um, and I, and I, I want to read this part here. It says, um, even though fawning can be tricky to identify at the time, there are some observable signals and qualities of body language that provide great clues that you've crossed a boundary. It's best to stop whatever you're doing and check in. If you ever notice a discernible or abrupt pause of action, like freezing avoidance of eye contact, a shift in the tone, energy, or vibe between you, a look of vacancy in the eyes or facial expressions, a body attitude that lacks energy and vitality or looks contracted through the chest with shoulders rounding inward, low mobility or responsiveness, and a quiet or non-communicative demeanor. If you talk or ask a question, they may not be able to respond uh, in full sentences. You've said something earlier in the book too, I don't think I have it highlighted, about um, our language center during mm-hmm. the fawn response. Can you yes. talk about that? <clears throat> yeah. So when the fawn response is triggered, all the blood flow in the parts of our brain responsible for language and speech making um, are directed to more primary survival um, organs like our hearts and our lungs um, and uh, the stress organs in our nervous system. So for that reason alone, it can be hard to say yes or stop or, hey, I think I'd like to take a break because we have literally lost that connection to mm-hmm. make language. Um, now, this, is, this happens in the moment, but when we experience fawning over the long term, and there's a lot of research to support this, over time, those connections start to become atrophied and mm-hmm. people will... Um, use language less often, they'll be less inclined to uh, express themselves, whether through writing, through speech, through learning languages. And so it really does impact like how we communicate, not just with our partners, but in work, in life, in our communities. Mm. We, um, I've been doing some boundary work with a woman named uh, Kendra Kunov, and she it dropped in one of her lessons. Um, and I think she works with, uh, people who identify as, as male, but probably also female on, on, uh, on sensing the no behind the yes. Mm. Um, and also sensing the yes behind the no, but, but all of that to say is learning boundaries, learning to understand stand, stand boundaries doesn't only exist in language. Like I know what we've talked about this. We talked about this whenever on the show where it's like when you're upset, it takes up the whole room, you know, like I'm aware Mm. just by being around you that your, you know, your energetic boundary might be really tight and contracted and close to you. It may be really expanded and filling the whole room. 
and it can be joyful. It can be, you know, whatever, whatever the energetic, uh, boundary is. It's like, we need to recognize that we take up more space or sometimes less space than the bodies Mm -hmm. we inhabit with Mm -hmm. our energy. Yeah. We really need to be doing much more training uh, to the littles on on like non oh nonverbal communication and body yeah. language. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about them is that they they know it already. Yeah, they can feel it. It's just it's it's completely um, subconscious to them, but it's part of how they navigate the world. They're constantly just living in that navigation of emotional energy and also spiritual energy too Mm. um but it's you know stamped out of them yeah right not it's not not validated yeah not like affirmed with language by the adults we don't value it yeah that thing you're feeling oh you don't want to go to church like too bad that's what we do in this family that kind of exactly One of the one of the things I know you've said is that uh, there's no such thing as a one size fits all approach to sex, which I love. Um, and mm-hmm. so with with that, um, what are some things you know? I'm, I'm sure we have some listeners right now that this whole conversation is like hitting really deep. And so for folks out there that um, that hear that that sentiment that you know, sex is not a one size fits all. Um, uh, you know, t-shirt, uh, how can they, how can they find, how can they find the t-shirt that does fit? What are, what are the things that people can do to create the, you know, sex and, and relationships that are authentic to them? Yeah. So one of the things I just want to name or give some words to is the fact that, uh, for most of us, we were raised with any, any awareness of sex or sexuality growing up, maybe we were told, I know I was told that there would be hair and that's it. (laughs) There will be hair. I was like, there will be hair. And I was like, shuffled a a pad when I got my period on the first day, nothing, nothing else. Um, I had in high school, I had, um, my gym teacher, I think I had two, two classes of sex ed. And the one I remember the most, and this is still probably my top five high school moments (laughs) started off with my my gym teacher was also my swim coach, um, putting a condom on a banana and ended 40, 40 minutes later with her literally covered in spermicidal foam. <laughs> it's just like this absurd and quite enjoyable, I will say, um, display, but all that to say, um, we, in terms of, you know, this one size fits all question, we don't get any information. And then as soon as we become sexually active, we're just running around doing it the way we think we're supposed to do it. The way we think, you know, Instagram or pornography or, you know, someone's older brother or sister has told us to do it. And because in relationships, we're seeking healthy attachment, we do what we're supposed to do. Right. And there's never been a time. I, I, I've sort of started this reparenting process with myself, but, um, the idea of being able to go back when you were 16 or 18 and say, okay, kiddo, you are a sexual being. This is what that means. These are the things that you can explore. Here's a vibrator. Here's a flashlight. Pleasure is something that you get to experience because it's an inherent part of who you are. And to really demystify this 
um, idea that pleasure needs or sex even needs to be what we're being told it is. Like there's a lot of sexual perfectionism that's shoved down people's throats. Oh yeah. Because we think that, well, because we want to be loved, right? We want to be loved. We want to feel safe and accepted and we want our partners to like us. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I absolutely so, was that teenager that was like, I have to be, I, and I wasn't, I didn't outwardly behave mm-hmm. this way, but I was like, oh, I have to be like super sexy. I have to yeah. like be hot. No one wants to be pretty. People want to be hot. And like, mm-hmm. I ne- like I never got to express that because I, you know, I had to go to church on Sundays and things like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm getting that. It's like, even in my, I'm in my late thirties now and I still am like some, you know, thankfully not as much as I think I would be without this podcast, but not look, I'm not, mm. you know, looking at people who are a decade younger than me and being like, that's the definition of what sexiness mm-hmm. is, mm. is just like yes. all out, you know, lots of skin, great dancer. I'm a pretty good dancer, but, um, <laughs> you know, so I have that going for me. I have some other good qualities yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. I feel like I interrupted you. And in no, thought. that's okay. Because this is like this is kind of a big thing. Because what exactly what you're talking about is what leads people to perform mm. this idea of what sexuality is supposed to. Be. Whether you're male or female or non-binary, there are these uh, sociosexual scripts that tell us that this is the way female sexuality is supposed to be. This is the way male sexuality is supposed to be. This is this is the way um, you know BIPOC or um, LGBTQ. AA mm. sexuality is supposed to be. There are these stories that we've attached to our identities and it really gets in the way of us uh, living authentically, whether, you know, in bed or in life. But to answer your question about um, the uh, no size fits all or one size fits all, mm. um, I think it's, you know, one thing that I really encourage my clients to do is um, to practice choiceful rebellion. So wherever you see uh, a sociosexual script or um, some kind of narrative that feels like it's constraining you, it's limiting you, it's preventing you from living authentically as the person you came here to be, push back against it. You know, maybe that's like the way you groom your pubic hair. Maybe that's, you know, the porn you watch. Maybe, I don't know, whatever it is that, you know, we have the ability, we are allowed to push back against the things that society tells us we are supposed Mm. to be and i i really really encourage people to do that and that's one of the ways that we find out what's true for us is by saying no to the things that don't feel good Mm. so you know with some of my clients it's like okay well bdsm has been a no for me so i'm going to go and try and take some gentle tender steps in that direction for others it's like vanilla sex has always been a no for me so i'm going to go and explore more body-based approaches you know i really in keeping with that i really encourage people to collapse the vanilla kink duality instead of looking at things in like these two little boxes Mm. to um really view our our opportunities of sexual evolution and exploration as a spectrum Mm -hmm. what did you call that rebellious uh choiceful rebellion Choiceful rebellion. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self-loving practice that is not reckless. Um and it's non-harming, but it's still rebellion. Mm. 
Um, um, do you have something you want to go? Okay. So I'm going to take us to this place. I'm going to read this. Um, yes. Wh- so you write, what if our real problem, the deep down thing we don't want to look at, is that we have no appreciation for death and that in failing to appreciate death, we fail to place any discernible value whatsoever on life and its impermanence. We don't have a sexual repression problem. We have a death aversion problem. Amen. We suffer from gross and pathological incompetence to recognize the fleeting and fragile consequence of our existence and the existence of others. So here's a question. How would you have sex if you knew you would die the second it was over? Um, so Whoa. let's let's talk let's talk That's about a question. sex and spirituality right? yeah. and death. Yeah. We I I I am obsessed with how uh, how much death aversion we we exist all day saying things like, well, I survived, you know, I didn't, I don't know, I survived, I got it and I survived or I beat, you know, I beat cancer or, you know, it's like, yeah. what are we, what are we survive? Like what are, we're, none of us are going to survive. Mm-hmm. We're, we're do we're, there's yeah. no way to win. This. Yeah. We're all going to die. We're all yeah. going to die. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, I mean, that, that, that is our, that is our number one concern is like, is not dying. Is like, not we, dying. Like we, we are, mm-hmm. we are literally programmed to survive, which is exactly why we go into these responses like fight, flight, freeze, yeah. fawn. Like those are the things that we do in order to survive. And so if that's like our innate built in, you know, modality of like getting through day to day going, I'm, I'm, I made it another day. I'm going to get another day in after that. And hopefully it just keeps on going. Of course we're terrified of dying, but, uh, yeah. to, to totally ig- ig- like ignore the fact that it is the one and only thing that all of us, all 8 billion people share in common. There's not a single person out there today, at least that is not going to succumb to death. Like we, we all share that in common and uh, we, we really fail to recognize that. Um, yeah. And what, and I don't know, you know, I don't know why I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that we are just so staunch on maintaining life and not dying, which <laughs> that's a good thing to have. Um, but if that clouds your judgment and prevents you from actually seeing the fact that it is inevitable and it is coming and it's coming quick. But uh, right now, you're alive. That's right. That's right. Right now. Yeah. That's right. Alive. And how wonderful is that? Yeah. I mean, you you go on to say, uh, think about it, really. If a single act of lovemaking was the very last thing you did on this earth, in this life, what would it look like? Yeah. How long would it last? How would you experience your partner's body if theirs was the last you'd ever touch? And how would you want yours to be experienced in return? What would you do to etch this final and fatal memory of pleasure into your bones? The feeling of another hands on your body, the smell of their skin in every inhale and the taste of their lips on yours. Wow. Right? Oh man. (laughs) I think I just, you know what? I love that you picked this passage because it might be my favorite. It's like the orgasm of the book. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Like spoiler alert. Sorry, everyone. Um, That's okay. But by the book. Holy moly. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) Um, but I'd want to say, I just, I do want to invite, like, I want to invite whoever's listening to really think about that question. Like if you were to die the minute you orgasmed, like a direct quote, it's like last orgasm, last breath off you go. Mm. Like what, 
what would you want your last experience of sex to be? And that's, I find the most clarifying question. You know, when you ask couples, like it, A, it really shows people where their values are and where they're, um, where they align together. But B, it really strips away all the stuff that isn't important, you know, because that's really what death does Mm -hmm. when we connect with the fact that we're we're not going to be here forever. I, I love, like, I have a death practice that I do almost every day where I just like, I die a little, I let myself die a little because it reminds me that I'm here and that I have work to do. Mm. Uh, man, I, this is revolutionary for me because, because I, I too have a pretty, like pretty devout death practice myself. And it's something that I think about every single day. And it is the, it is hands down the one thing that I'm most grateful for because it has allowed me to experience life in, in ways that I don't think I would have if I didn't have that practice. And, but I, but this is the first time I've ever, I've ever viewed that from a lens of like pleasure and sexuality. And that is so fucking cool. Like I just, I cannot wait for the next time I have sex because I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take that little, I'm going to plant that little seed beforehand. And I feel like it's, it will, it will at least give me the opportunity to experience something really, really present and really mm-hmm. like, like really beautiful and sensual and, and, and memorable. And like to be able to date, yeah. take that and, and maybe apply that like every single time you find yourself in an intimate moment with somebody in bed or, you know, on the kitchen floor or wherever the fuck you're doing it. Like, God damn, what a, what a great way, what a great lens to view sex from. Um, I, I fucking love that. That's so cool. You should, do you know, do you know the, are you familiar with the app We Croak? No. Uh, you should check it out, Nisha. I think, you, I think it'd be right okay. up your alley. It's, a, it's, a, it's an app that you download oh. on your phone and five times a day, it randomly uh, throughout the day sends you a quote that is about death and it's it's basically just a, a mindfulness bell oh, that like yeah. that reminds you five times a day you're gonna die you're gonna <laughs> die you're gonna die you're gonna die and it's uh it's really it's really it's really wonderful it's a really beautiful beautiful app um oh, and uh, the guy the guy that started is a he's, he's a really really cool fella so um oh. i, I th- this conversation i i fucking love this conversation uh nisha how can people find and get their hands on a copy of fawn Yes. So the e-reader version is on my website currently. The paperback is coming out at the end of March. I'm not sure when this will be going to air. Probably but, right um, around that time. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. So it should be on Amazon and all those lovely places where we like to find books. And um, my website is nishafair.com. Folks can find me there too if they want to connect. Mm-hmm. Nisha, this has been, uh, and also folks, that's Nisha Fair, P-H-A-I-R. Um, and, uh, and I highly suggest you go check out, uh, her website and, and get a copy of the book because I think even if you're not someone who, who is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like even if you're not someone who, who tends to, uh, react with the fond response, I feel like there's probably a, a, a fuckload of information to glean from reading this book. I mean, just based on the stuff that you've read here, Braddy, it's, it's, uh, it seems like a wealth of knowledge that could be very beneficial for, for everybody out there. Um, 
And so I want to thank you for Parents. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat me. with us. This yeah. has been really fun. Yeah, totally. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hello. Hello. <sighs> ah, yeah. Well, I'm fe- I mean, I'm feeling great. Okay, let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am over the moon. Um, but uh, before we get into all that, how was that? How about that conversation with Nisha? I loved it. I mean, I fucking love loved it. Have you? Did you take home some pieces of some nuggets from that conversation? Did I ever? Oh, really? Yes. And it's been present. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you just that enthusiastic comes- about everything today? <laughs> I, or- I am. I'm. I'm like. I am. I am a very happy boy. Okay. Um. So- and honestly, that conversation with Nisha, I think, changed my life. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Do you want to say more about that? Sure. Or- yeah. But uh, I also want to say we're gonna have Nisha on Sick Boy. Oh, incredible. Yeah, really excited about that. Um, I, I don't know when it'll happen. It'll be, it, probably pretty soon. I just sent her the email to get that ball rolling. But uh, uh, really interesting kind of conversation that we might have. So if you really dug that like fawn response topic, mm-hmm. um, I think we're going we're gonna to cover the fawn response, but from, a, from like a patient clinician perspective. Okay. And how the the power dynamics kind of play into the fawn response when it comes to patients and their clinicians. Interesting. Yes. That's super, super duper interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It, it, just you saying that made me immediately think about, because everything has to come back to, how can I relate this to myself, um, to massage school. Yeah. And yeah. not just the client-therapist relationship, but the student-teacher relationship. Mm. Because I bet if I bet if you learn to fawn to get to you know get love and attention yeah. and survive and approval through your childhood, you you probably continue to do that. Yeah. In school, in university, in college, in the workplace, in all your relationships. Yeah. Like nothing is in isolation. Yes. Yeah. Like it it kind of trickles into everything, and then and then we're like, what does that, what does that do to a person? You know, like what what kind of like. What kind of opportunities is that like do- doors does that does that close yeah. for people? Or weird sketchy doors does it open? Mm, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about like yoga yeah. students and teachers Jeez, and yeah. cults and all that kind of yes. stuff. Yes. Oh my god, cults. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't wait for that conversation on my other podcast, Sick Boy Podcast. You can follow that. Uh Apple Podcast, Spotify, or the CBC Listen app. Um yeah, yeah. So that conversation just like fucking totally rocked me. So here's the thing that changed that I think will change me forever. Okay. I think my sex life has changed forever. Okay. Yeah. So when she, I don't know if you remember this because we recorded this about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, are you going to well, reference a part of the book that I read? Um, the climax of the book? Yes. Yes. So about the whole thing about like approaching sex with this, with this, like, this sort of meditation. On death, I've been doing that. Uh And it is, it has, 
it, it has been amazing. It's been incredible. Like, again, I, th- I think we talked about this a lot or, or, or probably at length on the show, but like I've spent my whole life meditating on death um, and it's totally like shifted the way that I go about my day to day for 30 some odd years or whatever. I guess not that long, like more like 20, like 20 years. And I, I, I'm, I, you know, I think I, it's made me who I am and I'm all the better for it. And, um, and I really like value the, the way that I've like appreciated and embraced the idea of death and how that's like, like played out in my day to day in terms of decisions that I make with, you know, things that I want to do with my life or whether it be like career based or just, you know, adventure based, like things to do on a whim. But I've never, ever considered that sort of mode of thinking when it comes to like making fuck until Nisha brought this up. And so of course the first thing I, as soon as that conversation was over, I was like, I cannot wait to fuck again. So I can try this. <clears throat> well, I did it and I tried it. And it was like, it honestly was one of the most enjoyable sexual experiences I've ever had. And only for me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, how do I describe this? It wasn't like, It wasn't also because I was having sex that just happened to be the best sex I've ever had with someone. Mm-hmm. It was not that at all. It was, it was really just, it, was, it felt so good because of this, this sort of lens that I put over my eyes before going into that experience. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, I... I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty like generous lover in general, I think. And I'm, I think I'm pretty, for the most part, like I can be very present in lovemaking, but this added this, like this, add this, this whole, um, it added this whole, uh, dimension. Yeah. Yeah. This like very tangible dimension of, of, of like, really solid presence that changed everything. It changed the, it changed the, it changed the way that I was communicating in the, in the moment. It changed the way that I was like listening physically and, and, and like audibly. It changed the way that I was feeling things. It changed the, it just, it, all around it. Like it, I, it blew my fucking mind when it was over. I was just laying there going, Holy shit. You weren't waiting for the world to end. Well, that's how I was. That's what I was feeling like. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, this is going to be it. I'm going to come and I'm going to be dead. So how, well, like, what do I want to happen in between within that realm? It also made the sex. It also like dragged the sex out. Mm-hmm. Like it was this long process or even afterwards, I was like, was that too, was that too long? Yeah. Was I sexing for too long? <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah, it was, um, it was just so nice. It was so pleasant. And, 
And so then I was like, well, maybe like, can I recreate that? Will it happen the next time? And I did it. I, I did it like, you know, three more times. And every time I was like, wow, what a fucking cool, what a cool way to like get in the, in the zone of, of pleasure. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think I'll go back. Yeah. I think every single time I fuck, I'm going to be like that. It's going to be in the back of my mind. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. You're like Alice in Wonderland. That's what I, that's what I felt like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. I'm um, glad. I'm glad that it had that sort of lasting impact for you. Yeah. It's integrating what you know. It also, I think it also like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm you, especially with like new sexual partners. I'm, I'm a big fan of like the sexual debrief, mm-hmm. you know, like talking about what, what, what did you like? What did you not like? What, um, and it even like, it even kind of changed the, the sort of the, I guess like the inquiries that I had in, in that, in those like debriefs. Did it take too long? Were we sexing too long? <laughs> I didn't ask that, but I feel like I should. Because <laughs> it, because they're like, it, what the first time I did, the first, the first time that I implemented this m- mode of thinking, <laughs> it really was a long, long, long sexual bout. Okay. Uh, and, and there was like a moment in the middle of it where I was going, okay, are you, maybe you need to wrap this up. Right. <laughs> like maybe, maybe it's time for you to die. Mm-hmm. you know uh yeah. you're just prolonging life <laughs> yeah 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 don't dilly dally just get over with it and cross cross that threshold um so maybe i'll ask i'll ask my uh i'll ask my sexual partner yeah my partner right yeah and then uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Okay, well, for anyone who's not on Patreon watching this video, Jeremy, uh, I'm going to steal a great line from everyone's favorite television sitcom, Friends. You look like you slept with a hanger in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm not going to say I'm in love uh, because I know that that would really annoy you. Yeah, it's annoying. (laughs) But but man, I think I'm... Twitter pated. It's I'm, fucking I'm, April fifth. I'm it's, very Twitter pated yeah. right now with with so I I met someone and I really enjoy their company, and I think they enjoy mine, and it's got me really. I, it's totally. I'm I've had I've had this like big turn. It's been a really rough couple of months. Mm-hmm. I've been really down. I'm feeling really lonely, and uh, this person. I met this person, and we're really enjoying each other's company, and I'm I'm really excited about it, and I. I have like, uh, I have, I feel pretty confident in that I have this ability to foresee things playing out. Like, you know, like I'm not going to get too woo woo, but like I, I have a, I have a a pretty goddamn good ability to manifest things. Mm -hmm. And the way that this is manifesting in the ways that I'm putting it out there to the universe. Yeah. I think this is going to be, is hearing you. I think the universe is hearing me and I think there's something, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's something really special about, Okay. and I'm very excited about it. Um, yeah. Well, it always uh, makes me happy to see you happy. So even, even when things are 
taking off at the uh, perceived speed of light. Um, <clears throat> yes. But I trust you. Yes, I know, I know, I know. And look, I know, I know I have, I know, and we've talked about this, I know I have a, I know that when I start to become interested in somebody, that I tend to go really fast and really hard into that, like head first, mm-hmm. uh, no helmet, just like fully, <laughs> like like jackass style, sending it out of a cannon mm-hmm. into I was a lake. Shopping cart, but yeah, yeah, totally, totally, jackass shopping cart down a hill, um, and that definitely is that definitely is happening right now, but. But I think I'm also I'm also doing it very like uh I'm not doing it the same like with the same intensity that I have in the past. Right. And are you thinking about those conversations that we had about um like codependency and all of this the sort of takeaways yeah so I, I put a lot of thought into that actually because we had that conversation if you haven't been listening to the podcast regularly but when i i broke up for my last relationship I, that was one of the things that i thought like oh maybe i have like some codependency issues and the more i thought about it um i don't think i do i don't think i actually do yeah i think that i i just like to be with person mm-hmm. and i don't need to be around person all the time. I don't like the, and, and I don't like, and if I'm not with them, if I'm not with the person, I'm not like, it's not, it's not like the end of the world, mm-hmm. but I don't like to be alone. And I don't think that that's codependency. No. In fact, when we had those conversations and it looked like things were really landing for you on that topic, it didn't seem to me like it was describing you. Yeah. But I did thought maybe there was something in the in the current relationship or at the time the current relationship that I just didn't see or didn't know about but yeah I wouldn't say that that struck me as you either no yeah I don't think I'm codependent I think I'm just I think I'm just someone who I'm I I'm just I'm just looking for that puzzle piece that feels really good mm-hmm. and it's been a while since I've felt like I've had that and so you know when I started like dating, I was kind of like, all right, am I, am I, you know, I had that whole thing of like, all right, do I need to just be fucking single for a year? Mm-hmm. Um, but even the thought of that, I was like, what, why, why? That's stupid. Why the fuck would you just, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. You don't need to, there's nothing you need to learn about yourself that you don't already know. Mm-hmm. So if something feels good, go for it. Don't hold yourself back. And, but just be really upfront and honest with yourself and with anybody who, who decides to like come into your life. And that's what I've been doing. My, I feel like my, I feel like I've been like extra vulnerable, like even with this person, I've been like extra vulnerable and extra, like laying things out there where I'm going, look, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you exactly how I'm feeling mm-hmm. without any fears of how you're going to fucking react. But also without like doing it in a way that's going to make you feel pressured or like weird. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to be honest. And I've been doing that and it's been pan- it's been work panning out. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel I feel really I just feel happy. I just feel. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm just enjoying, I'm just enjoying the time that I've, that I've been able to like find with this person. That's so nice. Yeah. That's really good. So who knows where it will go? Who knows what will happen? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have any expectations, but I, <clears throat> I definitely am like putting it out to the universe of like, look, I enjoy this person's company and they enjoy mine. And the next car that drives by is a blue one. We're going to be together forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I don't step on a single crack from here <laughs> to the condo, then it, then I know it's meant to be for life. Work out perfectly. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, and it's also, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, who knows what will happen? You know, like I've, I've, I've had conversations with this person who isn't like, polyamorous and isn't hasn't done open relationships and you know they're like they're wondering like they're like what is the deal with like you and bridey and like how does that work and mm -hmm. i just i'm like right, well here's here's everything and yeah. this might not be for you but i really like you and if you keep saying you want to hang out then i don't know you know mm -hmm. who knows where this will go mm -hmm. but well, I look forward to meeting them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about all this? I, I, I get, I do get a little bit of like a sense of like reservation. I feel, you know what I feel like? I feel like the person who is like, oh, well, I'm not getting attached again about people that you date. Right. Right. Because, because you, you got attached to Leah and. And Becca. And Becca. And, and those, those are things both people that come I, to an end. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, you know, not to sucks. say that my relationship has to change nope. with those people. And in fact, might even improve. <laughs> we might yeah. talk about things that aren't you. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, um, so I'm not, I'm not, you're not getting what you're not, what you're getting from me <clears> is not like skepticism. Right. It's more like, okay, yeah, we'll see. You're going to obviously warm up to this person. Not that I'm not, I, and I'm, I'm pretty warm. I think, you know, in, in, in some cases, like your last relationship, maybe I came on too warm, like right, right. off the top, you know, right. I think I'm pretty warm. I, uh, but that's inevitable to happen because if you think about it, like Leah and I were together for almost two years, mm -hmm. Beck and I were together for three years, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, over time, you kind of can't not mm -hmm. allow yourself to mm -hmm. keep a distance. Yeah. Or maybe I, you can, but like, I would hope you do, you don't. Yeah. No, you know? I don't think, I don't think that's what I'm feeling. I might be feeling like, you know, I, I, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't like, I don't, I just, you know, I just think I feel like a bit of a protectiveness, but not like a possessiveness just more of a of a just a more curious you know bystander over here yeah and um and it's really nice to hear all the things that you're describing and uh, the feelings that you're feeling and it just makes me makes me it makes me happy and i also I also have uh, feelings over here of like, 
I'm just, I think I'm just, I'm looking forward to summer. I'm looking forward to a break and I'm looking forward to being able to um, spend time with people that I love. Cause yeah. I'm like right now I'm feeling a little bit um, over stimulated by people in general. So I have like a bit of that wall up about, you know, I, I, when like I say bringing I'm not, someone new into your life. Yeah. But, right. but not, but not, but like not even specifically that I'm just mostly, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the way that you're feeling and I'm feeling my physical reaction to, to like not, not having that experience right now, like not connecting with people right now, not mm. feeling, um, excited. Mm. And it's pleasant. It's pleasant to be in the presence of it. And be reminded that that's <clears throat> in that case. Then should I should I should I let you be the one to make the decision as to when you would like to meet this person? If I feel like I want you to meet this person, um, no, it's okay. I mean, I'm ready anytime, but I just don't. I would like it would be, you know, will it be just me? Will we, what will we do? Um, what? Like, how can we make that a pleasant experience? Because I don't want to overwhelm anyone because I know that's happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll leave it up to you to decide when that happens. And um, just know I'm very busy for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very busy for the next gotcha. three weeks. And it's not that I don't want to m- meet a new person. I just, I want to be, I want to be in a good space. Yeah. Um, bit frazzled okay that's fair again i don't need to rush into anything mm-hmm, i know on any and on in any regard mm-hmm. whether it has to do with her or you or whatever mm-hmm. i'm just happy and i'm, I'm enjoying I'm so and i'm enjoying my time i'm so glad yeah um <sighs> yeah <laughs> i'm just happy i'm happy it's been i feel like it's been a long time yeah and the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, I've I follow this this lady on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Her name's Doctor Jen. I could just call her Doctor Jen because I don't know how to. I think it's Gunter. Is yeah, Doctor Jen Gunter was on uh, Sick Boy. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Then did you see her recent post about um this company from the UK? Uh, I think they're from the UK called Ollie. They put out um, these really cute looking products. They're all matchy matchy. Um, mm. They're all color coordinated and the design is really cute. And they have different sort of supplements for different things for making you feel good. Um, for a while I was like, oh, is there CBD in these products? But it, it doesn't seem like it's like herbal wellness essentially. Right. Um, and she posted something, um, she was outraged and I'm going to read you. She's, she, uh, she's outraged a lot. Okay. Well, listen to this. And for good reason. Yeah. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean that <laughs> yeah. to sound like she's a fucking, she's an angry ass. woman. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then I found a, a paper, um, a newspaper article from the sun and I'm just going to read this a little okay. bit. A new billboard advertising vaginal probiotics has sparked oh. fury oh, yeah. She's for its hate bizarre this message. Yeah. Probiotics are thought to help restore the natural balance of bacteria in your gut, but one brand has now launched a range for the vagina. 
But Ollie, the manufacturer of, this is the name of the product, the Happy mm. Hoo-Ha product, has described the supplement as <laughs> probiotics Happy for hoo-ha. your panty hamster. Okay. Yeah. It Ew. claims. It claims. Panty hamster? It claims Ugh. it can support the health of your vagina and oh its gosh. pH balance. And then it says, talking to Twitter, um, Dr. Jennifer Gunter said the branding was clearly something they were proud of after billboards appeared in the U.S. with adverts even being seen on cars. Dr. Gunter, who is known for busting health myths, said, there is no data that shows probiotics improve vaginal health, but the lack of data seems almost minor in comparison with calling a vagina a panty hamster. Yeah, that's nasty. The Ollie website states that that Happy Hoo-Ha supports a healthy vaginal microbiome with two vag-friendly strains of lactobacilli naturally found in the vaginal tract. Um, none of their claims have been... Uh, Backed by science? By the Food Drug Administration. This is a Goop product? No, it's not a Goop product. Okay. It's an Ollie product. But maybe yeah. Ollie is owned by Goop? I yeah, don't know. maybe. Yeah. Um, she, Dr. Gunter also said the brand were vagina cowards for describing the vagina as a hoo-ha. Hey, I mean, look, Jen... Happy Hoo Ha is pretty great. Panty Hamster, not so great. I don't like Happy Hoo Ha. You don't like Happy Hoo Ha? That's We're hilarious. We're trying to get people to use it's, it's real totally, words. Totally, 100%. But also, Happy Hoo Ha, that's good. That's good alliteration. It's funny. It's great. <laughs> I like that. I like Happy Hoo Ha. Happy uh, Hoo Ha. It's, it's meant to help your 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 vagina. Like the, I mean, Panty Hamster, come on. That's. I like this. One user joked, this is infuri- infuriating and also absolutely confusing to those of us who make decorative plush hamsters out of panties. <laughs> That's so, a big thing, is it? Yeah, it's a big thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. The word hamster used in oh. conjunction with the whole pelvic area is a bit not good. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I don't um, like that. You don't like panty hamster? No, no, no. That makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> you should You should try it out next time you are... Um, Engaged in one of your death-defying sexual acts, uh, just just say like, "Can I stick my finger into your panty hamster?" Yeah, try that. <laughs> oh, oh, oh that'd Nobody be the, the end of it all. Hear the end of that that sentence. <laughs> no. What do you Ew. think? You're not going to use that? Fuck on no. On the new lady? Fuck no. I would never use hoo hahs in this sexy way either. <laughs> I like pussy. Yeah. I like pussy. Yeah. Pussy is a good word when when things are getting hot. Mm-hmm. I don't like like vaginas too. There's there's no there's no the, the vagina's not sexy. Too many syllables. Penis isn't sexy. Mm-mm. Dick, cock, those are good. I like those. Mm-hmm. Don't say hog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't. <laughs> um, it's we're all so it's so personal to everyone i know (laughs) you just were like that could go so wrong it could i said i said during sex the other night i said pussy you have a really beautiful pussy Uh uh-huh and did it go over well it did okay great yep but if if but in my head I, i was about to say it and in my head i was like they might not like this word brian doesn't like the word pussy I know some people don't like the word pussy. I don't mind it in the heat of the moment. I don't like it when it's not hot out. 
in around <laughs> when it's, <laughs> when not, it's hot not hot around. Hot out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got to be winter if you're calling my fucking vagina a pussy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. No, I uh, I don't mind. I don't have a thing against the word pussy, but like anything, you know. That being said, the same person that you find so intriguing could really be into using the word hog. And I would be, and I would say, don't you know use what? That. Don't say that to me. <laughs> You wouldn't nope. say never again. You'd just say, I would say let's I, try I, not I, using that. Yeah, word. I would say uh, choose a different word. I, <laughs> I like I like where you where your mind's at, but <laughs> switch up the, the vocabulary. Ugh. <laughs> I what I picture with hog is like a a lot a lot of some a large circumference. Right. Yeah. 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 Is that what you picture? Um. <laughs> yeah. Which is why it doesn't make any sense for me. Right. But you're not. No. Okay. We're not gonna get into that. I guess. But. I'm not fishing for compliments. I just don't have a hog. <laughs> I got how, a dick. How big around does something have to be? A hog? Yeah, what's the I don't know, maybe this diameter? Can, like this, this, oh, like a beer can. That's like a great... Beer can? That's yeah, probably, totally. That's, that's, 100%. Hog. that's, that's a hog. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Minx yet? No, I haven't. I see it's on, uh, it's on uh, Prime, right? I think... S- no, it's right on, on a, HBO. Is it on HBO? Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know anything about it. It's got the guy from New Girl, though. Yeah. The guy that everyone thinks I look like, which I don't. You don't look like him at all. Um, it's it's funny. Thank you. Yeah, it's got some good moments. Do you know what it's about? Nope. It's about the um, it's about a magazine, a uh, feminist magazine that comes out in I I I've got to say the seventies. I'm sure it's the seventies. It looks seventies, yeah. Yeah, a lot of mustache. Um, and it's the the main actress who I really like, who I don't know their name. Um, she's got this like feminist magazine that she's been cooking up since she was in junior high. And then she finally gets it to a publisher, but he does, he does pornographic magazines. Okay. And, um, so her magazine starts getting influenced, uh, by all like pornographic images and particularly the nude male penis or nude penis. But Mm -hmm. in this case, um, there's a lot of what, what's the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not not uh, a prosthetics. There's a lot of prosthetics, I think, in the oh, like dick full, pr- prosthetics, full frontal nudity. Oh, but yeah? I have a feeling that a lot of the, the the audition scene in the pilot, there's like probably 25 penises. Oh wow! Apparently, Euphoria's got a lot of uh, actual dicks. P- actual. And, well, I don't know. I mean. I've heard McDreamy is in it and his dick shows, but people are like, well, that's not real. Okay. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it. Everyone's telling me to watch it. I've been really. Euphoria? Yeah. And I've been really putting it off, but. Yeah. Because you said you don't want to watch teenagers fucking. I know. And then, and then I was saying that to someone the other day and they were like, did you not fuck when you were a teenager? Shut the fuck up. And I was like, touche. Look. <laughs> touche. <laughs> like, look. I grew I, I up in it. Kensington, Prince Edward Island. Yeah. I definitely was not. Euphoria was very far from yes. reality yeah, for yeah, me yeah. as a teenager. And if there's a like a 16 year old out there listening to this right now, can you please tell me if that's your high school experience? Because it makes. I mean, well, hold on though. Have you watched it? I've watched a couple of episodes. Oh, you have. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Cause I haven't watched anything. And, and so when they said this to me, I was like, maybe I should shut up until I watch it and then make a decision. Yeah. I'll shut up until I watch it too. I, I, I just don't I think I need to watch I it and then make my decision of like watch season one and go, okay, did I like that? No don't watch season two or did I like that? Yes. Watch season two and pull back on what I said before. See my problem with the the show just off the top of my head is that show would have made me feel 
really shitty about myself in high school. Hmm. Interesting. Because of the what it what it like seems to portray as like teenage life was so far from reality right. for me. And sex and drugs made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, but you're older and times have changed a lot. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, there were people doing drugs and having sex and babies and <coughs> shit yeah, like when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. But it was so far from my... And, you know, just like a classic show with tons of like beautiful 20-year-olds playing, yeah. you know, teenagers. I just would have... But there's also a lot of like mental health stuff and a lot of like yeah. trans issues and stuff like that that's being covered that's probably pretty important. You I know? enjoyed getting that from the Babysitter's Club when it was on, but they sure. canceled it. Different days, different <laughs> times. Yeah. Um, I got an article here that I just want to go through, which is funny because it reminds me of what I said earlier about... Um, having sex for too long doctors reveal how long sexual intercourse lasts on average oh great how long do you think it is like three minutes <laughs> on average okay i th- i feel like i read that before um dr ollie or ali who has uh, over a million followers on tiktok was intrigued by this question how long should sex last and like any good doctor she did some research and came back with an answer so on her account, she posted a video where she said, so overall, this is going to vary couple to couple. And obviously people define sex differently, like doesn't include foreplay. Is mm-hmm. it just penis vaginal sex? Mm-hmm. So the studies that were done on this specifically look at penile vaginal sex. Back in 2005, when the study was done, the average length was four point, sorry, 5.4 minutes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so... If you want to make sure you make it past the 5.4 minute average, uh, here's a tip. Have sex to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Okay. <laughs> it's a, this, this article is ridiculous. The chaotic nature of the song should retard your arousal. And as an average length of intercourse is, is 5 minutes and 24 seconds, this means it's mission accomplished by the end of the penultimate. By the penultimate lyric, nothing really matters to me. At what at what timestamp is that line? How long is that song? That song's pretty long. It is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I um, love how long singing. Is I love it when I turn on the radio and that song is on. Rhapsody. Don't know how to spell either of those words. Uh, one hundred. Uh, nope. That's a full length feature film, which is <laughs> uh, one hundred and thirty four minutes. Oh. Uh, song. The song is. Well, I mean, I don't know. I should just look it up <laughs> and on just on Spotify. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, here we go. Five minutes and 55 seconds. Okay, so just a little bit longer. Holy shit. How many, pl- how many streams do you think that song has on Spotify? At least 24 million. Try 1.7 billion. <gasps> wow. Um, so then uh, in 2020, they, sur- they surveyed heterosexual women. And uh, they said 13.4 minutes was the average. So, so it went up. Um, according to heterosexual women, it seems the average length has almost tripled since 2005. How exactly this has happened is unclear, but clearly we need a new we strategy. We started counting foreplay. But clearly we need a new strategy if we are to last longer on than average. Fear not, though, because I figured it out. Barry White's can't get enough of your love, babe, three times. Can't get enough of your love. Five point four minutes. It seems so short. Well, I'm sorry. Did they uh, say whether they're counting just the time the P is in the V? <clears throat> I think that's the uh, 
Yeah, I think that's what they were like basing this off of. So not foreplay included. I mean, and we're talking about the average, the average, average yeah. person. Yeah. But even then, that sounds really short. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I feel like I I, I heard that it what, was short. Like, what's what's too long for you? Or does it or does it depend on like how you're feeling? Um, I would say like P and V. Yeah. Um starts getting a little frictiony. Yeah. At like fifteen to twenty minutes. Right. If it's continuous. Yeah. Um changing positions like can stretch that out for sure. Yeah. Because friction changes uh yeah going like back and forth and elongate but but all said and done if you were to extract only the p and v parts even if you were like switching up really regularly i still feel like 15 to 20 minutes is probably long yeah i mean that like i would say that's probably my average 15 to 20 I guess. I don't know. I really don't know. So it's always so different. Yeah, it changes it depends on the speed. Yeah. Um depends on like how fit. like hot you are. Like how hot, like you know, like how turned on you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um depends on when and where it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, is it at the end of the night you going to sleep after? Mm-hmm. Or is it like right before you gotta catch your Uber? Yeah. To make it to the party that you're going to. Yeah. Or is it in an alleyway where the cops could roll up at any moment mm-hmm. or on a beach? Or, you know, are you stoned? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think speed. Speed, position all play a role in letting, getting it do longer. <clears throat> yeah. Because friction's a very real thing. And no matter how much lube you use, after a while, it's like, yeah. like the skin on the inside of the vulva is Fragi- very thin. Yes, fragile. And if you rub your own, like the back of your hand or your arm, if someone like rubs your arm in the same spot for fifteen minutes, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have a burn on mm. your arm. So that's something to think about. <coughs> I think the the idea of having like we had sex all night long, um, you know, for hours has often been like it's only happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. And the only reason it lasts a couple of hours is because there's stopping and starting and moments yeah. in between. And, yeah. you know, like maybe you get in the shower together or maybe you like eat, you eat snacks in bed, yeah, and, you yeah. know, and then and that's what makes it so long. So, you know, if anyone's out there thinking they have to be, you know, work in their hips for, yeah. for more than 15, 20 minutes in that way. <coughs> I, <coughs> yeah. I think I discovered a new kink. Okay. As well. Okay. Out of all this. Uh-huh. You want to tell me? You want to tell us next episode. Next week we'll find out Jeremy's <laughs> newest kink. Yeah, let's uh let's end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Okay.
Oh, all of us together. Uh, all right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. This has been very fun. And uh, thanks for joining us. And if you want to support the podcast, you can uh, join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash turn me on where you can watch the four plays and see me smiling with a hanger in my mouth. <laughs> um, and uh, you can also support the podcast just by simply leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or rating the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you, whether that is a brain boner, you have a question, you can do that at termionpodcast.gmail.com, or you can even apply to be on the show. Uh, same email, termionpodcast.gmail.com. Or apply on behalf of other people to be guests on the show That's if right. you know of a guest that yep. we should definitely talk to. Yeah. Um, uh, that is it for this week. Until next week. Go touch yourself. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 